Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Uh, I'm Andy Barons and I'm here to welcome you back from your holiday weekend. I hope everyone found it to be restful, safe, uh, refreshing, rejuvenating, whatever, whatever else, whatever other good things uh, you could possibly find from the holiday. We are joined today. I'm I'm excited about this. Uh, and I've been trying to set this up for a little while. We're joined today by Troy King. He is a contributor at Football Guys, co-host of the Fantasy Football Confidential podcast. Uh, you may have caught Troy's work on Fantasy Football Live uh, last season. He guested uh, in our fantasy community segment. You may also know him as the songwriter behind what I think is the definitive uh, jam of summer 2021, that, of course, is Thirsty Thursday. Hey, hey, it's Thirsty Thursday, and I like the way you move it and you swing in my way. We all like, hey, hey, it's Thirsty Troy, Thursday. Troy, what's up? Welcome in. Well, thank you so much for that intro. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say about myself. You kind of covered anything, everything, but... <laughs> Yo, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, last year when I got to, you know, be on Yahoo, you know, Yahoo Fantasy Football Live, that was dope. And I'm just excited to be able to chop it up with you again. So uh, I, I should almost make this a behind the music episode, right? And just talk about your talk about your songwriting exclusively and not even mention. Uh, oh, I'll be mention fine with that football. too. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a, I, there's a Thirsty Thursday song. There's a Freaky Friday song. There's at least five more days you should cover, right? So we can expect more jams to drop. So here's the thing, right? So I, I've actually been approached by making more songs. And it's funny because the same <laughs> songs that Twitter hears, my wife has to hear. So if I make any more songs, she might divorce me. So I might have to, you know, limit it to just two songs. It's just we're like we're like five or six remixes in to Thirsty Thursday. And I mean, the people the people love it, obviously. It, it keeps paying the bills. But surely, I mean, surely there are other days that we could celebrate. Well, it's the thing, like, there's a lot of days, right? But it's sometimes quality is better than quantity. So I'm kind of <laughs> freaky Fridays, like, you know, people know it, but Thursdays are kind of tied to me. So, like, I really want to focus on that, right? So every time Thursday comes, people message me, at me about it. So I might just keep it the more focused, but we'll see. If I, people might start really unfollowing me or blocking me or reporting me if I start making more songs, but I'll, I'll see. I, it depends on what mood I'm in. It is it is awesome that your brand is basically tied to a day of the week. I love it. Um, absolutely love it. I should have also men also mentioned at the top. You can find Troy on Twitter at T King Mode. Uh, it's a great a great follow, obviously, and a better follow if you're 
you know, if you if you wake up every Thursday looking looking for some fresh uh, music, uh, we're we're gonna get to Scott Fishbowl in a second because you and I, I believe, have taken different appro- approaches there. It, it's super fun, um, but I gotta I gotta give a little bit of an explainer on the rules again every time I talk about Fishbowl because it has has no practical application to any draft that anybody's gonna do uh, it, it, like in their Yahoo leagues. But first, I just want to mention like we had a we had a very quiet holiday weekend in terms of in terms of NFL news, like a weirdly quiet weekend. But we did learn that the Cowboys are going to be featured on Hard Knocks. Are you are you a Hard Knocks guy? Does this excite you in any way? Do you care? Yes, I like hard knocks, man. It's entertaining. You know why? Because we we go through such a dra- drought of football, and then we get hard knocks, and it's fun. It's nice to be able to relate to the players. Normally, it's not always the star players. It's like you know, Mister Practice Squad. But it's still cool to hear, yeah. you know, just to get a little inside look. So I always truly enjoy them. I feel like it always coughs up a, a fantasy sleeper too. Not not necessarily somebody that by the time the the whole series is done that we're we're super in on but there's there's always something that pops um there's always a couple of uh, of player notes and player blurbs that can be written off of hard knocks so that's kind of fun the joneses are fun this would have been this would have been better with the cowboys before they actually signed everybody when there was like real tension uh about uh, about contract status and whatnot but but it's good this is a this is this is one of the proper teams i feel like to have to have featured on the show well, absolutely. And especially, you know, after their disastrous season last year, you know, with Dak being yeah. injured and the worst backup quarterback, you know, Andy Dalton, your quarterback, congratulations. QB1. QB1. Your QB1, even though you got Justin Fields, but that's the who, who called that? Who called that on the uh, you did. Fans you, Football Confidential and, pod? Yes. Yeah, thank Andy you. called that on my show, Fans Football Confidential. He said that Andy Dalton's going to be quarterback one. And look, he's he's on it. Look, um, I don't know if it's a good thing. Like, you're right, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I was actually trying to speak that into existence so that it wouldn't actually happen, right? I was trying to make a prediction in advance so that I, I could just rule it out because there's no way that Barron's is going to be right about a thing like that. And then, of course, two weeks later, uh, the, the team's social handles are tweeting about Andy as the QB1 and trying to get the city excited for it. But whatever, I, the Bears have a much better quarterback situation than I could have ever possibly imagine you guys got um, lucky <laughs> so lucky absolutely lucky um uh, luckier than this franchise deserves or has perhaps uh, been in i don't know 40 years so yeah super, super excited about justin fields but this is not a justin fields pod um unless you make it one unless you want to make it one but but i want to i want to dive into scott fishbowl because it's just like people who follow us know, like you're just going to get your your feeds are just going to be full of hashtag SFB11 for the next like week and a half, two weeks or so while the entire expert community goes through this. Right. Because there's like there's like thousands of people in Fishbowl now. So it's it's this huge endeavor, incredibly unlikely that any one of us actually wins this thing. Right. Like your probability of winning the, the overall contest are just are just van- it, like the odds are just vanishingly small because so many people are, are in this thing. But it's a really fun league, incredibly fun format. Um, people who are regular listeners to this podcast are probably acquainted with the rules a bit. We spoke to Scott Fish a couple weeks ago uh, on the pod, went through a bunch of the settings that make it so fun. It's I'll just I'll just rifle through a couple of them here. It's tight end premium. Uh, which means that you're getting additional points beyond like the half point per reception in the league. You're getting additional points for tight. I think it's, I believe it's an extra half point for receptions by tight ends. 
um, which really doesn't do anything to make Travis Kelsey uh, less valuable for sure. Um, so that that aspect of it is fun. It's super flex. It's half point per both reception and first down. Kickers are eligible in flex spots, which is just about my favorite thing. Uh, quarterbacks are rewarded for accuracy in this thing. Passing TDs are plus six instead of plus four. So there's a bunch of rules quirks, and it basically means that that all of the all of the ranks that I generate, that you generate for normal leagues, um, full of normal people who want to play normal settings, are, are out the window, right? Like you can't you can't necessarily follow them. Um, one of the other fun things to to the fishbowl at least this year, is that uh, we had the option to indicate a draft slot preference. I, I went I went hard after the, the top overall pick. You are picking 12th in your league. Um, so this is just like a perfect place to begin the discussion. Um, I assume that, that 12th was actually your, your preference. And if so, what is it you liked about it? Yes, it was my preference. So basically, it, there's two reasons. One, I love picking back-to-back because... For me, and also, you know, being at the 12 spot, obviously you got 11 picks in front of me. So I'm like, okay, I, I get to control a lot of things by picking back to back, right? So especially in the first round. So I that's one of the reasons I did it, as well as this third round reversal. So that's another thing about this tournament that's a little bit different. And I'm not used to doing drafts third round reversal, but pretty much for those who don't understand is that that means that in the third round, so even though I picked 12th, I get the 301 because of third round reversal, but then my next pick isn't until 412. So those are the two reasons why, and just it just worked out. And then I guess we'll be getting into our picks in, in a little bit, but those are the two main reasons why I picked 12. Yeah, I'll just say people like people know me in part from the draft slot videos that I do for like football and baseball every year where I go through like who is the average pick in a Yahoo draft at this slot. And I try to give you a pep talk unless you really have a terrible spot. And then I just tell you to sign up for other leagues. Um, I do I do that every year in our leagues. And so I'm always I'm always asking for like historical data on, you know, winning percentages by draft slot and and how do they perform from year to year? Obviously, obviously the top overall pick did not do particularly well last year because it was so heavily tied to Christian McCaffrey and it was just difficult to to overcome that injury um or those injuries I should say. Um so it, like first overall not necessarily great in 2020, but historically in your standard Yahoo drafts, you you want to be you want to be like top 5 and you are at a decided disadvantage if you are like 10, 11, 12. People, people like the turn uh, it, like once they get into the middle rounds of their draft, but, but usually as a practical matter, getting shut out on those top guys is, uh, is pretty hard to overcome. It's not, it's not like you can't win from any spot, but you're at, you're at a small disadvantage picking at the end. However, the, the third round reversal does change it a little bit, and it 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 gave I will say that it gave me pause. I ultimately decided that the the difference between like the first pick of the third round uh, and the twelfth pick of the third round was just not worth it to me when I could just lock in on having Patrick Mahomes in a super flex format like this where we're getting you know additional points for accuracy and all these other things. Like I I just felt like Mahomes was too valuable for me to for me to give it up because of simply the third round reversal. Although I did think about slotting trying to slot myself at like five or six i also don't mind those middle slots and that tends to that tends to pay off more often than not in uh in, in football leagues and i thought it, i thought that might just sort of make me impervious to you know the third round reversal thing or or you know you, you, you don't have to worry about position runs when you're in the middle of the draft there's all sorts of advantages to that 
I was going to say, yeah, the one thing I don't like about it is that my wait is so long and I'm just watching. Yeah. And so sometimes like where that turn, like you got to get like your position, right? Especially for me in these, in this format, like I had to, I'm not going to tease it yet. Cause we're going to get into it, but I had to take a quarterback earlier than I would have liked to normally, because if not, I'd have to wait like 22 picks and then there would have been a QB run and I could have do nothing about it. So you have to make sure like if you have a need, like you get it at that turn. You can't always wait that much because again, it's a long way. You're going to see all the people that you want snap snatched up. So you got to kind of solidify some things when you're at the turn, even though it's back to back, which is an advantage at some points, it could be a disadvantage in other ways. Yeah, no, that's that's just the thing. You've got to you've got to make sure that throughout the draft, you're the person who's like triggering the position yeah. run, right? Instead of the person who ends up chasing it, because then you just you know, then all of a sudden you're like, oh boy, the running backs are flying off the board. I better get the eighth best one, and the yeah. receivers are <laughs> flying off the board, and I better get you know the last guy, or, you know, one of the last guys remaining in this dreadful tier or something like that. And you just end up you end up chasing all draft, and it's no good. But it sounds like you had the right mindset for that. Um, so tell me, you know, just walk me through the the pick so far, just so people know this is a slow pick draft. So like, that's why we end up tweeting about it for like a week and a half, two weeks, sometimes three weeks, right? Like it just, it just grinds on forever. And you and I are both at like different ends of the draft. So we're going to have <laughs> weights sometimes that, that are like all day, like a day will go by and I won't make a draft pick. Um, and I'm just refreshing <laughs> constantly. So tell me what you've done so far. I'm through four rounds. You're through five. Yes. Okay. So my first pick of the 12th, sorry, the first round was George Kittle. So as Andy already mentioned it, the tight end premium, he gets like extra points for, you know, catching and all that. So for me, I, if I didn't get one of the top three guys, I would have just faded the position, right? But George Kittle to me in this particular format is just too valuable. Last year, I took him as well. We always obviously know he got hurt. So it didn't work out for me last year when I was in the satellite. But this year, for me, I'm like, okay, there's a bunch of running backs. There's a bunch of wide receivers. There are not a lot of tight ends that could be a difference maker. So I took him at the 12th spot. And then at 201, I took Justin Herbert because I saw a lot of the elite quarterbacks, like, you know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, all of them go, like, you know, early. So, those are, you know, that's obviously a detriment, you know, picking towards the back and you see a lot of good players go early. But Justin Herbert, Obviously, we saw what he did, you know, last year, and he has a better offensive line this year. And to me, I think that he's going to be a locked-in QB one. So I definitely want I was comfortable taking him there. And at three hundred one, I took Nick Chubb. So Nick Chubb, I actually have an article that came out on Football Guys and making an argument why I believe that he could be top five. And I know that Nick Chubb isn't a PPR monster, but it doesn't matter. He is in one of the he's probably his all overall offense is one of the most rush heavy offenses in the league with Kevin Stefanski. We saw when he was with the Vikings. Now he's with, you know, Cleveland. So they're making a priority that the offense is going to run through Chuck. So and just at 301, I'm like, I know I wanted to get a stud running back because you can't wait. You can't wait too long yeah. or else you're not gonna get, you know, they're gonna fly off the board. But then because of the third round reversal, I'd wait all the way until 412 to pick again. And I picked Derek Carr. There are a lot of QBs on the board <laughs> at that point in time, right? There's Justin Fields. There was, 
you know, Zach Wilson. There were some other guys. There was Brian Fitzpatrick. There were some guys who had higher upside. But the reason why I went Carr is because he is accurate and you get points for accuracy. And then you also get deducted for like sacks. And that's one thing that kind of gave me pause. The offensive line for the Raiders is worse. So that's the only thing I hesitated. But to me, Derek Carr gets the ball out quickly and he his his A dot is pretty short, right? Like he doesn't throw the ball down the field. He's probably going to do a little bit more because John Gruden's obsessed with him taking more <laughs> shots. But, you know, obviously Waller's going to be his main target. He's in this format. I just wanted a solid QB two because, for example, last year, Sam Darnold, there was a, there was a time where he was like negative 16 in this format, right? Because yeah. of the way the scoring is. And I just didn't want a quarterback that, yeah, it could, you can have some guys with upside, but I just didn't want to risk it. I have Herbert, who's my stud. That's the reason I went Karn. And my fifth round pick, where my last pick so far, is J.K. Dobbins. And we already know that J.K. Dobbins, you know, he didn't do that much until the latter half of last season. And there is also question marks about how many catches he's going to get with Lamar Jackson. But they're in the, you know, he's in the most run-heavy offense in the league. And yes, Lamar Jackson is going to eat into that. Yes, Good Edwards is going to eat into that. But to me... Dobbins is still the RB1, and he's going to get points for first downs. So in that run-heavy offense, he's going to get the first downs. He's going to get the rushing. He's going to get touchdowns. So for me, I wanted to lock in my two running backs, get my two quarterbacks, and there's so much depth at wide receiver. That's the reason I haven't taken one yet. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there. I'm through four rounds and I've taken one one wide receiver. Um, actually, don't have a running back yet. I I fully agree with you on the need to take someone like like I feel like in getting Justin Herbert, you you got maybe the the last of the guys who who might like you don't have to do a lot of imagining in, in order to come up with like a five thousand yard season for Justin Herbert, right? Like it could be a it could be a great year. It could be like a like a fringy MVP candidate sort of season. Like it could legitimately be I mean the receiving core is great. Keenan stays healthy. A few things fall into place and, and now we're talking about potentially forty eight hundred, five thousand. I mean and we get an extra game, right? So forty eight hundred or five thousand yards is maybe not maybe not even a huge stretch. Um thirty touchdown passes is definitely in play accurate passer um we, we we like a lot of things about justin herbert totally get it um i i want to come back though there, there's a few things you said that i want to come back to but the first thing is if you didn't get a top three tight end um and so i assume for you that list ends at like waller and kittle um the, the reason i ask is because <laughs> i said my first two picks were were patrick mahomes and then i really wanted one of the top like on my board in this format, one of the top four tight ends in this thing. Um, and so I got Kyle Pitts at, uh, at the end of round two. It's my first Pitts share of this draft season. And I feel like I picked the right league to do it, right? Like I'm getting him in a tight end premium league. You know, hey, I'm, I'm old and I've been doing this fantasy thing for a long time, which means that I have not seen, you know, over the course of my long career in fantasy, not, not a lot of rookie tight ends do anything. I don't I don't know that they'll use him as anything other than a wide receiver, right? And I'm getting I'm getting the, you know, half point per reception bonus at the tight end spot from him. So, I'm pretty excited about Pitts and I just find it curious that you didn't extend the list of desirable tight ends a little bit further than the top 3. I'll be honest with you. I'm glad you mentioned Pitts, right? Cuz to me, my list goes so obviously Kelsey number 1, no debate. Waller mm-hmm. is my number 2. So I actually wanted Waller to fall to me, but he got taken a couple picks earlier. So I went George Kittle. 
after George Kittle, I actually like Hawkinson, then Pitts. That's me, right? Okay, I, I, I love it because I because I really like Hawkinson, and in in sort of the standard version of my ranks, I actually have Hawkinson at four. I'm an Iowa guy, like I I love the <laughs> Kittle and Hawkinson back to back, and I think you know not to preempt what I think you're going to say about Hawkinson, but he's I mean he's pretty clearly his team's number one receiver, right? It's it might not be a great passing game, but he's pretty clearly number one. Yeah, exactly, and it's just to me, it's just and the Pitts hype, it's warranted in some ways, but it's outrageous in others right and obviously julio leaving has just made it even more crazy than it's ever been and pitts i believe is going to do well right he's not like other rookie tight ends so i believe yes he's going to be used as a wide receiver i think he's going to be used in the outside a little bit he's going to be used in the slot so he's going to be utilizing this offense you know you don't spend that kind of draft capital on a tight end for no reason as well as we already know how talented he is it's just for me i'm like he was, I feel like in Scott Fishbowl, there's a range, right? He's going either within the second round or within the second to fourth round I've seen so far, right? So, like, he's going in that range. You're not going to get him any later. It's just, I, he always goes too early for me. So, I don't have any pitch shares because I, I just can't. There's other guys that I'd rather have. So, to me, look, I don't blame you. Like, all the arguments, look. He could, and people are already pretty much inducting him to the Hall of Fame. Like, that's my joke that I keep. <laughs> right, I know. That's I the know. joke I keep making because that's what it seems like. Like, yo, he hasn't even played a game yet. Like, we all think he's going to be good, but just how good? So that's why I'm kind of just putting a little bit of pause on it. Yeah, I've I've talked myself into it based on the. I mean, there's people know this, right? Julio Jones uh, no longer in Atlanta. There's there's over 200 vacated targets uh, that he can step into. So. There's a potentially massive workload for him. You you are you are correct about the position though, right? Like I I mean I in some ways I I mean I don't really feel bad for Kyle Pitts, but like if Kyle Pitts were to come out and have what would normally be just an outstanding rookie season by the standards of of any NFL tight end, right? Like he comes out and catches 60 balls for, you know, 700 yards and six or seven touchdowns. Do you think anybody in fantasy is going to be satisfied by that? No, by everyone's the, going to be like, like he's a bust. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I game. mean, we yeah. we really have hyped him to a place where he almost has to have a thousand yards, which is just not something that we see from rookie tight ends. It's not a reasonable expectation. If he doesn't give us at least ten touchdowns or a thousand yards, people are going to be mad, and it just it just doesn't happen at this position. So that's an issue. So I'm the the one thing that gave me a safety net here again is the is the scoring the tight end premium scoring the fact that almost everything he does I get I get twice the points that I would if he it's were a, if he were a wide receiver right so I'm into that I'm into the just the the number of targets that are absolutely up for grabs in a, in an offense that I think is still going to be a productive passing offense so I'll just I'll just walk you through what I've done so far and again I'm 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 not quite as deep into the draft as you are but I took uh, again I took Mahomes at the top I took Pitts. And then I, I got hit by the third round reversal thing. Um, knew I had to get a quarterback w- with one of those other picks. And I, I like it's kind of your logic with Derek Carr, right? Like you might not, you might not love taking a quarterback at that like round three, round four turn, but you're really gonna hate the guy you get if you don't do it, right? So that's that's kind of the position that I was stuck in. So I took Kirk Cousins, uh, I believe, to to uh, close out round three in my draft. And the thing with Cousins, of course, is that he can complete 70% of his passes, and that gives you a few bonus points here. Probably going to throw for 4,400 yards. He, you know, he passed 30, uh, over 30 touchdown passes last year. So we like all those things about him. He's totally rock solid. 
uh, it, it kind of right there with Derek Carr. We we basically know what we're going to get, and it's pretty good. And in Cousins' case, he's he's tied to some pretty good receivers. Uh, and then I started, and, and this is another player that I want to get your thoughts on because you recently wrote about him. I started round four with DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm just a little like there haven't been a lot of wide receivers to go in my in my draft. I'll say that people have been very focused on running backs and quarterbacks and tight ends, understandably so. But DeAndre Hopkins coming off 115 catches last year, over 1,400 receiving yards. Like those are those are numbers that take you to the Hall of Fame. You you do that again and again for a few years, you go to Canton. Um, and Hopkins is headed there, and I just think he's you know in terms of like might have the best hands in the NFL, probably does just monstrously productive with whatever quarterback you give him. And you recently wrote about him as a, as a plausible candidate to be the overall wide receiver one. Um, and he wasn't that far off last year, right? Like I feel like he gets weirdly disrespected and maybe that's just because we're so familiar with the brand, right? We just, we know this guy and we've seen it year in and year out. And we want to have like, I feel like there's a certain type of fantasy manager that would rather have, the next big thing who can come close to what Hopkins does rather than just take Hopkins and his superior numbers. Exactly. It's the, it's like the shiny new toy syndrome, right? It's like, yeah. we always want what's new Hopkins. And it's weird how we have fatigue for somebody who's so good, but it's like, it feels like DeAndre Hopkins has been in the league for like 20 years, right? It's not like exciting. Like, yeah, yeah, he's good. But what about this new guy? What about AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, right? Yeah. And, then, and a lot also people have like a dynasty perspective. Hop, you know, it believes like he's 28, 29, or so around that range. And you're like, oh, this young dude, he's only 21. Again, like you said, it's all the next big thing. And DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, I made an argument that he could be wide receiver one because he was the wide receiver one last year until Kyler Murray got hurt in week 11. So it's yep. not that far of a stretch. But one of the other reasons why I wrote this article, because it was I didn't see anybody have him ranked as the number one wide receiver. And there's so many reasons you can put him there. And let's look at some of his competition, right? So Devontae Adams might not have Rodgers. A.J. Brown, obviously just has Julio in a heavy, heavy offense. That's going to affect, you know, Justin Jefferson, obviously you have Julio. Sorry, you had Adam Thielen, you have to worry about. Calvin Ridley, you have Kyle Pitts. You know, he's, I've seen a lot of Calvin Ridley wide receiver one, but he might get stronger coverage against him now. So that's, you know, he obviously had great shots to still be it, but that's something you need to think about. So for me, you already, you run it back with Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. He was number one in route participation. I believe it was second in receptions and yards. So you factor all that in. It's not that big of a stretch, but I was just very surprised that I didn't see anybody have him ranked as wide receiver one overall. So that's the reason I really dove in and, you know, really wanted to, make a case about why, hey, we need to be talking about this a little bit more. And everybody remembers, you know, what he did at the end of that Buffalo game, you know, just catching that crazy touchdown. But yeah, if you want to read more about it, definitely go to footballguys.com. I dive deep. But those are the reasons, man. Like, look, I want to take him to Scott Fishbowl. I wish there was some possible way that I could have stacked Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. It wasn't going to happen, but I'm jealous of anyone who gets to do that. Another thing for me with DeAndre, and it's and it's why I feel like we should be taking him, you know, top three at the position, certainly top five at the position, is that there's there's virtually no chance that a healthy DeAndre Hopkins falls outside the top five. Like no. that's just, yeah. that's just <laughs> especially in like a, a point, a half point per first down, half point per reception, the the sort of scoring format that we have here. 
there's just no way that if he plays 16, 17 games, he's not finishing as a top five receiver. Like he's, they've, they've enhanced their receiving core without really doing anything to threaten DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like it's, it's more and it's green and maybe those things work out. It's better and, and better is good for DeAndre, but there's, there's nobody that they've added in the offseason who deserves to take any of of Nuke Hopkins's looks, right? Like, it, like his situation is just is just outstanding. Again, he's not, as you say, it's like we're not drafting in a dynasty format here. And I think you're right. People do bring the the sort of dynasty mentality to a lot of leagues. He's not thirty. Like there's there's yeah. no reason to expect a decline. <laughs> he didn't decline last year. Like I I I don't know. I'm I'm with you. I. I it's not a ton of disrespect because, you know, everybody basically still has him in their top 10 and nobody's saying that you should avoid DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think that's out there. But, man, I, I think there's a very compelling case for him as the overall wide receiver one. I, I, I think it, you know, I, nobody should be the least bit surprised if it actually happens this year. And he's and he's again, he's he's in for another crazy target total. And if you believe in Kyler Murray and I feel like everybody does, if you believe in Kyler Murray, then by default, you have to believe that DeAndre Hopkins is a is a candidate to be the overall wide receiver one. Absolutely. And also, Colin Murray, and just a kind of a side note, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he beats Patrick Mahomes in this particular format, right? With like, No, we the, can't have that. We can't have that. But, no, but I'm just saying, look, with the added, you know, with the added, you know, points for just rushing yeah. and rushing first downs and things like that, we know that, you know, Patrick Mahomes scrambles a bit, but... He's not, you know, Kyler Murray, right? So I believe like yeah. Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, I would not be surprised if any of those two ended up being the QB1 in this particular format or just in a regular season, in standard format, you know? So you, you mentioned the other guy that you've written about recently as, as Nick Chubb, who, who, you, who you drafted in, in Fishbowl. Let me, let me just get some additional thoughts on him because I think the worry that people have, you know, and again, this is more for their, their sort of traditional scoring format leagues, Probably not going to catch a ton of passes. Pro- probably the guy that is, you know, it, again, if both parties stay healthy, Kareem Hunt probably going to edge him in terms of targets, in terms of receptions. Not that, not that Hunt himself was was particularly heavily targeted last year. You know, over multiple years, I've, I've people have heard me say uh, several times that I think I think there's a rushing title out there for Nick Chubb at some point. Um, he's he's one of the he's on the short list of of just those those running backs within the league that I will you know I will pause on and I just want to watch a couple of series with Nick Chubb cuz he's fun. Um he's he's thrilling to watch, super efficient. Um and I think a lot of that is on him and not like on the system, right? Like I, I just think Nick Chubb is a really gifted runner. Rare, rarely um gets tackled for loss, right? And the and the big plays are huge field flipping plays. So I love him. There, there is a bit of a PPR knock against him. So, um, what, what are the what are the chances you would say that he finishes, not even as a top five running back, but but maybe as the top overall running back? I mean, saying a top overall running back, if he ended up doing it, would anyone be like extremely surprised? I think some, you know, it's a little bit surprising. You know, a guy who doesn't catch pass, but at the same time, you know, he's he's very similar to Derrick Henry, right? He should. He oh, he was almost a rushing yeah. leader in 2019, right behind Derrick Henry. And last year, we're forgetting he only played in 12 games and ended up being the seventh running back, finishing as the seventh running back in only 12 games, right? And he's been consistently an RB one. And the thing about it is that again, what Kyle was what I mentioned earlier, like the whole offense is is going to be running through Chubb, right? He's proven to us that. You know, one, he's extremely capable. I believe in the red zone too. Like they, they look to Chubb now, and 
for me, I, and again, I know the knock in terms of he doesn't catch passes, but the difference between like 2019 Cleveland Browns and 2020 Cleveland Browns just with the philosophy. So they went from like 2019, they went from the 12th in rushing yards to third in rushing yards, 22nd in rushing attempts to fourth in rushing attempts, 15th in rushing touchdowns to fifth in rushing touchdowns. And like, to me, like though that information alone, like that makes me confident that Chubb, even despite not being able to catch passes, he's athletic enough where we've seen him break multiple long runs, right? Like, and like you said, he breaks tackles. So Chubb can take it to the house anywhere on the field. So he doesn't even need to catch passes in order to, you know, score, score from long distance. And again, they, they look to him in the red zone. So look, if he's scoring those touchdowns, that makes up for his, you know, lack of catching. And it's not he's not going to catch anything. He just he's not going to be like a Kamara, you know, like eighty-one catches every single year. But he doesn't need to. Just like again, Derrick Henry doesn't need to be, you know, he did. Derrick Henry doesn't need to catch a lot of passes in order to be one of the best running backs in the league, as well as for fantasy. So those are my arguments there. I just believe that he could definitely be top five if they, you know, have the same philosophy. You know, seventeen game season. I don't know how that's going to affect him in terms of usage, but I'm very confident that he can finish top five this year. When do you think um, I'm re- I'm really pivoting to a, a different topic here within uh, the fishbowl? But w- like, when do you expect to see the first kicker taken? Oh, so well, shout out to my homie Linda. My, my oh my god, ex- I should have mentioned Linda has produced some like really really good content on on kickers relative to uh, other position players in yes. this format. Uh, Sorry, I, sh- I should have shouted it out earlier. Oh no! Like if if you're still drafting, I mean everyone's still drafting in the fishbowl. But if you hear this before everything's over, make sure that you check out her. You know her spreadsheets. She's putting so much work into that, right? So I think the first kicker is probably going to be drafted. It's going to be like probably like sixth, seventh round. I believe my friend Josh. He's with No Punts Intended. He took a kick. He took who I believe in the first round. He did it for charity. So outside of that, I think the first kicker that's going to be drafted, again, maybe, like, I think for me personally, I'm not going to take a kick until, like, maybe eighth, ninth round, and that's stretching it. So I believe that, you know, some people who are kicker advocates might do that, but I think it's when you get into, like, wide receiver three territory, so... If you look at some data, like kickers have outscored like running back threes, wide receiver threes consistently. So again, I think between like rounds like seven to 10 are probably the the perfect times in order to do that. Yeah, I I love it that you that you framed it that way, because when we had uh, when we had Scott Fish on the on the pod a few weeks ago, I was talking to him about that. I just I, I, I think the way he's created the scoring for kickers is like it's it's delightful because it actually makes you it makes you choose between kickers and guys like, you know, Michael Gallup or, you know, those Will Fuller types who are the the high variance receivers. And when they really go off in a given week, they really go off and they can carry you to a win. But, you know, they're also going to give you a bunch of like two catch, three catch, 30 yard games. Um, I love that the the best of the kickers and, and the numbers that Linda has generated kind of uh, bear this out. They they slot right in perfectly with the high variance wide receiver threes. So it makes it such a because in my mind those guys are often the most random fantasy scorers and the most difficult to predict week to week. Like you love to have them in best ball because you don't have to guess in advance when they're going to go off. You just get it when they do. 
And that, of course, is the biggest complaint from the from the band kickers people about about kickers generally is that they are difficult to predict on a week to week basis. So I just love that they all get lumped into the into the same pool. And I, I basically agree with you. I think I'm probably going to take my first in like round seven or round eight. Yeah. And I would think also and like, I like the way the format is that they're flex fund, right? They're not required. So if you don't yeah. like kickers, you don't have to draft a kicker. You don't have to play a kicker. But those who do they get to play. And that's one of Scott Fish's arguments about, you know, adding kickers, right? So it's for everybody. So, and again, it could be a secret weapon that a lot of people, you know, aren't thinking about. So I'm going to try to take one. And I just don't know who yet. I'm hoping one of my favorites, right? You know, I like people like Sanders, Koo, there's Bass. So, oh, Rodrigo Blankenship, you know, Gobble. Yeah. So those are the guys I'm looking to draft. Hopefully people don't snipe me on them. Well, let's um, let's pivot now to to your Dolphins. When uh, when we had you on Fantasy Football Live, however many months ago that was, it was I, if I have this right, it was like the first week of the Tua era, right? It was Tua was about to get his first start. Pretty exciting, obviously an up and down season for Tua. wasn't always great, but I also feel like it wasn't as it wasn't as terrible as many people have painted it out to be. So I, I got a lot of questions for you here. Um, I'm ready first of all, it. was 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 Tua on the board when you took Derek Carr? No, he got sniped like two picks before because I would have taken Tua at 412, but literally he got one like two picks in front of me. So I was like, because Tua, it yeah. would be really good in this format, right? Somebody who's accurate, who, you know, throws pat, you know, throws short passes, dumps off a lot. Like those are the type of guys who are safer in this format as well. He's going to have an improved offensive line. And, you know, just because I'm a Tua fan and I'm a Dolphin fan, like, it would have all just made sense. But, you know, the problem is that people know the guys I like because I put out my takes all the time. They hear <laughs> me on shows. So they know, like, you know, they obviously saw Tua on the board. They saw me coming up, you know, to pick. So I knew that they knew that if he got to me, I was going to draft him. So <laughs> the receiving core is just is just fantastic now. Like, it was, you know, we, we could slander it a bit last year, but... um a bit. Devonte Parker, <laughs> Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle. Like I love, I love Jalen Waddle as a as a prospect. Really excited about it. Um, my my question to you as a as a Dolphins backer is: Tua going to be good enough in year two to support multiple viable fantasy receivers? Uh, I don't think so. And I'll be honest. And here's the thing, right? I'm not saying that he's. I believe that Tua is going to take a big step forward. I believe that he's going to take more of a big step forward for NFL purposes, as much like not necessarily hmm. fantasy, right? So I have him ranked about like QB 19. So like in Superflex, yeah, two was a great option. But if you're in a standard, you know, a regular one QB league, I'm not looking to start two as my quarterback, right? Because again, he's going to be safe for you, but he's not the type of quarterback that's going to be throwing consistent three touchdowns over 300 yards. I yeah. compliment a lot to Kirk Cousins, right? Like Kirk Cousins, obviously, like he has his games, but he's not somebody that like you're actively trying to start in fantasy, you know, leagues if you're like in a one QB league. But I believe that the way I see it is that, you know, Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle, obviously they help him, you know, they help him in the offense, right? Jalen Waddle, they have the chemistry, uh, but he's a yak monster. So, you know, Tua could do his short passes and Waddle can do the rest. Will Fuller, I believe, was brought in to help stretch the offense out. We've already seen in you know the offseason how they are trying to be more aggressive with it. So look, if the whole game plan is for Tua to be aggressive and throw down throw about the ball down the field, then you know, maybe I'm wrong and I'd be happy about that. I just don't see them trying to change the type of quarterback that he is. I think he improves, but I mean, have, well, let's just say, like, okay, 
I believe that, you know, whoever ends up being the best at their ceiling is probably going to be mid wide receiver two, right? I don't think like you're going to have a bunch, yeah. all of them be wide receiver twos. Somebody's going to be a wide receiver three. None of them are going to be a wide receiver one. So that's the reason, <laughs> I, that's the reason I feel that way. Okay. Th- this is kind of a two-part question. As a, more as a Dolphins fan than as a fantasy analyst, what does a what does a successful Jalen Waddle rookie season look like? And then which of these big three receivers in Miami do you think you're going to actually end up with the most shares of? <sighs> okay, so I believe Jalen Waddle, I think in terms of success, if he catches like <laughs> it's funny, the way I think of it, if he catches somewhere like Pitts numbers, right? Like if he like the ones that you comped early, if he gets like 60 catches, you know. 700, 800 yards, something like that. Like, I think that's fine, you know, for his rookie year. Because again, like, I don't think that any of the wide receivers are going to be like heavily targeted, right? I don't think any of them are going to get like 10 targets a game. I think he's going to spread the ball out. I think that's the way the offense is going to be. I think they're going to run it. They're going to spread it out amongst the wide receiver options. And that's the way I predict it to be. I don't think anyone's going to be a target hog, right? I would, I would love if Waddle ends up being a target hog. I just don't see it happening. In terms of who's going to be like the best for fantasy, who's going to be the number one, I would honestly, and this might be kind of controversial, but I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Parker actually ended up being the best option because the way I see it is that I see Devontae Parker being the possession receiver. So let's think about it, right? Let, let, let's look at last year. Devontae Parker, you know, he two years ago, he's coming off, you know, a career year. Last year, it was only him and Kaseki. They were starting people like Jakeem Grant, Matt Collins. Yeah. Devontae Parker was dealing with injuries. So nobody wants him. Everyone thinks he's a bust. And he's a value right now in drafts because we know Will Fuller is most likely going to be used to stretch the field. Wall is going to be the A-dot guy. But in terms of the possession receiver, Parker makes the most sense. And right now, he has the most recent rapport with Parker. And we know that the defense's coverages, they're going to be worried about Waddle and Fuller. So who's going to be benefiting from that? It's going to be Parker. So again, in terms of like targets, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Parker is like, you know, the guy who's getting the most targets in terms of being the possession guy. But I think Fuller obviously has the most upside just because of obvious reasons. We've seen, you know, his career, how dynamic he is. So I think Fuller has the most upside, but I think, Parker has a good chance to be the number one wide receiver. It's not a popular take. I'm not ranking them that way, but I definitely want to mention that. No, it's a it's another case that pops up in fantasy, not not even unique to fantasy football, right? Like this is a uh, almost a, a foundational sort of pillar of fantasy baseball drafting. A lot of the time, it's just the boring old guy um, continuing to do what he always does that ends up paying the fantasy bills and and not the flashy new guy. Like, Devontae Parker, probably a, a, a really bankable fantasy asset. And it's, again, it's boring. We've seen it. Um, there's not going to be anything particularly flashy about it. They're not even necessarily the most exciting targets. But if you're getting points for receptions, <laughs> if you're talking about somebody who is going to have a reasonably high floor in this offense from week to week, at least in this, uh, in this receiving core, it like, I, I think I'm with you. It probably is the, the sort of boring familiar face in, in Devonte Parker instead of, you know, the, like the new Ferrari and Jalen Waddle, whatever. Yeah. I shouldn't compare these guys to cars. I suppose I really like Waddle. Like I, I, I want the answer Waddle. to be Waddle. 
because like I, I I don't know if I've made the point on this podcast, but I but I've talked about it before. Like Jalen Waddle last year was tracking to basically have the Heisman season. You know, like he he's the guy who opened his year with nothing but hundred yard games. Like everything was a really explosive performance. He suffers the injury, tries to come back at the very end of the season, but like he's the guy through a month of play for Alabama who. Who, who was just utterly unstoppable. Not that they weren't both great. Not that Smith wasn't great as well. He obviously was. Um, but I just like to throw it out there that Waddle is the guy who like opened the season with 500 something yards in the first four games. Oh yeah. I think Waddle, again, I think Waddle over time is going to be, a, I think he could be a superstar. I'm just for year yeah. one. I'm not, I, I, again, he's, for me, he's the easy answer, right? I believe he's the easy answer. That's what everyone wants him to be. I want him to be. <laughs> yeah. But if I just really, and just being biased, you know, not biased. I think Parker has a good chance to surprise a lot of people. Um, you mentioned the you mentioned the running game earlier, and I I do want to hit on Miles Gaskin because he was you know su- like super quietly averaged ninety seven scrimmage yards per game last year, which was pretty good, right? Like that's that that'll that'll pay some fantasy bills as well. He did not stay healthy for the full season, played ten games, but when he played, it's not like he was some committee back. Like they leaned on him, and, and he was and he was really good. Should we expect that over the full season, or do we think they're gonna they're gonna weave in some other some other players as well? So I believe that Gaskin is going to be the RB one of this offense. He's gonna have a lion's share of the you know the carries because let's let's look back right. And me as a Dolphins fan, everybody's expecting them to draft a running back like Najee yeah. or Javante. Everybody was expecting them to bring in like a high caliber running back like a Chris Carson, Aaron Jones. Like that was you know the big topic over the offseason and it didn't happen that tells me the confidence they have in Gaston right the guy that nobody expected to be relevant he was extremely relevant but as you mentioned he did get hurt having a significant workload they they did bring in someone a guy like Malcolm Brown they brought him from the Rams he's a bigger body running back he's like 230 or like something around there and Gaston is sub 200 so that's one of the reasons why like, he doesn't profile as a workhorse back, but they used him in that role. So to me, he's proven that, again, he's great in terms of being his utilization, but I don't think he's going to get the same amount of carries or work that he got last year, but still going to be more than anyone else on the roster. I know they, they drafted Dokes like, in the seventh round. He's a you know, big body running back, but I don't see him being that relevant, at least, you know, unless, again, it's a shock. They, we still have Salvin Ahmed, who was really good in relief last year when Gaskin got hurt. But I still, I think he's probably going to be like the running back three, you know. But I think Gaskin, I, I see him finishing as a high end RB two. You know, if they, as long as he stays healthy, I think that's most likely where he's going to be finishing. So if someone wants to, uh, if someone wants to draft Gaskin and then take Gaskin's immediate, you know, understudy his backup, do, do you feel like Malcolm Brown is probably that guy, and it's not Ahmed this year? I think it's Malcolm Brown. I think there's a reason they brought yeah. him in because why else? You could have just had you just drafted Dokes, kept Salvin Ahmed and Gaskin, and just ran with those three. But I think they brought Brown in for a reason. And we've seen him in relief. You know, we've seen with the Rams. Like he's a very serviceable running back. He's not exciting. He's boring, but he was very efficient on the goal line. Like he he's the type of guy. He's what we expected Jordan Howard to be last year when they brought him in. Right? We expected Jordan Howard to be the short yardage goal line guy. And he was the goal line guy, you know, for a little tiny bit. It was embarrassing, but he was. I think that (laughs) 
I think that Malcolm Brown is going to be utilized in a similar role. Like he fits the profile. We've seen him do it with the Rams. And I think that was the one area that Gaskin wasn't that great at. You know, he's again, he's not that big of a guy. They try to use him on the goal line. He didn't have that many, you know, rushing touchdowns because he get he got stuffed a lot. So I think that's yeah. one of the reasons they brought in Malcolm Brown. And he just makes more sense to be that short yardage goal line back. Last offense thought that I want to get from you. Uh, I, you know, I, I looked up their their win total at BetMGM before we came on, and it's a like it's pretty aggressive. Um, like you can bet either side of nine and a half wins. They are uh, plus three twenty five to win the division. They're actually plus uh, sixteen hundred to win the AFC, which is like which at least puts it in the realm of possibility. This uh, like this team had a good defense last year. I love the coaching staff. It's definitely an ascending offense. It might not be good yet. It doesn't look like it could, like, it's hard for me to imagine the Dolphins, like, going toe-to-toe and actually scoring with the Chiefs or Bills in a playoff series, anything like that. I don't think they're quite there yet. But how do you feel about the win total for this team? Is that that just about right? Would you take the under, the over? Where are you at? I think it's just about right. Because I see us, I see us being a wild card. I don't I don't think we're going to win the division just being, you know, just being real. The Bills are the better team, you know, overall. I don't got to tell y'all about how good Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, the whole team is built. So I think they take the division. I think the Patriots put up more of a fight because, you know, their defense opted out a lot last year. So a lot yeah. of those starters are coming back. So they'll be a lot tougher. They're not going to be as sorry. Offense, I'm still not worried about them. So I believe that we're going to be a wild card team. You know, I think we're better than a lot of you know teams in the AFC. Tua being improved, having those improved wide receiver weapons. Hopefully, you know, our running game is stays healthy. So, and our defense is still going to be legit. So I think that's a fair win total, and I think we're going to be a wild card team this year. Okay, last thing I want to ask you about, um, and I'm prompted to do this because I. I just finished contributing to a to a football guys piece um, that, that took me longer than I thought it would, um, <laughs> in which we were we were asked to uh, to sort of plan a flag on a player for the season, right? And I, I, in order to come up with an like, there's a lot of guys that I feel bullish on, and there's guys I feel bearish on, and I could have gone either way, um, but I, I just sort of looked through the the portfolio of best ball teams and and uh, dynasty startups that I've drafted so far. And uh, the the guy that I ended up writing about is is the guy who's on all of those teams and who I'd be uh, at this point, I'd be a little bit surprised if I don't end up with him in fishbowl as well. Um, I, I've got Devonte Smith everywhere. And there's just at, at, at some level, I obviously value him differently than than the rest of the field. Um, I, I think he is just to give you my quick take on him. I, I think he steps into a situation in which he's the clear number one uh, for the Eagles. He's got he's got some rapport with his new quarterback. I, I love everything about the situation. I think he's probably going to see 140 targets this year. Uh, he was brilliant last year. He's an absolute technician ready for the NFL. I feel great about him. He was my like plant the flag guy. And I also feel like I've talked to him about him on this podcast plenty of times. So the people don't need my thoughts on Smith. What instead they need is your flag plant player. That's hard to say. Um, who, like who's the one guy that you feel like you have just the, the strongest take on that is unalterable and where you where you're like really ready to declare yourself a, a huge fan or or, you know, you can go the opposite way and say that you're you're willing to plant your flag uh, about a guy. That it, I, I don't see Troy King just using this opportunity to absolutely crap on a player. But if you want to go ahead and do it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to crap on anybody. I'm going to say Rashad Bateman. Rashad oh, Bateman. Nice. Like it. Yeah, I'm going to say Rashad Bateman, right? Because before he was drafted, 
I was everyone knew that the the Ravens needed a wide receiver, and the two people that I said would be perfect for the Ravens, I kept saying were either Rashad Bateman or Terrence Marshall. They needed a big body possession wide receiver type of guy. And they drafted Rashad Bateman, which I was happy about. And a lot of people were just immediately like, it's a death sentence. Lamar Jackson can't <laughs> throw. The Ravens, all they do is run, you know, blah, blah, blah. But let's, but the reason why, okay, let's look at who he was throwing to. He was throwing to Willie Sneed. He was throwing to a washed up Des Bryant, you know? He was yeah. throwing to Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown. He doesn't deserve Hollywood right now, but he's, <laughs> he doesn't profile as a number one wide receiver, but they were just trying to make him that. Mark Andrews, is, Mark Andrews is a bigger body guy, and that's one of the reasons why Lamar Jackson, you know, loved throwing to him because he's the only one who, for some reason, was consistently able to catch it. And Rashad Bateman just fits exactly what the Ravens were needing, right? He's talented, and for me, I think, and obviously they're not going to just change their whole philosophy and become a passing team, but now at least they'll be passing more, right? And then another thing that the Ravens struggle with, right, especially with these playoff games, Yes, it's they're obviously going to stay run heavy. But as you saw in the playoff games, anytime they came behind, they were, you know, they trailed, it was over because their offense wasn't built to come back in any particular game. But that's partly due to they had very subpar, you know, receiving options. So Rashad Bateman to me, they brought him in for a reason. I believe that he's not gonna just week one, he's gonna just be a superstar, but I believe by the end of the season, I think he's going to take that wide receiver one job. And I just think he's – I was hit with the college, he was just talented. I'm just so excited about him. I'm like, okay, this is the perfect wide receiver for this offense. So I'm playing my flag on him. Rashad Bateman is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, I, I love it. He was a great addition to the offense. It is actually it, – it was the it was the move that they made in the offseason that really convinced me to have Lamar as my, as my overall QB1. Again, I know I just drafted Patrick Mahomes ahead of him in Fishbowl. It's a different <laughs> different settings and all that, but like in standard Yahoo settings, I, I just I just love Lamar this year, and and Bateman's a big part of that. Uh, Hyper talented player, uh, exactly what they really exactly what they needed for the for the reasons that you that you outlined. Um, so that was a good call. That was a good way to that was a good way to end this thing. Again, uh, you, you guys should already be following Troy on Twitter at T King Mode. Um, just a delightful follow. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, what, do, what are you working on now? What's next at, uh, at Football Guys? Sure. So one of the things that I do on a weekly basis is I'm one of the co-hosts of the Mailbag Show for Football Guys. We air every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure to check us out. So me and Dave Kluge, we also added Victoria Geary. She's going to be our third co-host. So it's going to be the three of us every single Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I've been doing spotlight articles. So we, as we talked about, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins. We talked about Chubb. I might be doing one more, you know, I'm not going to tease just who yet, but that's probably going to be in the works. But those are the main things, man. I also run the football guys, TikToks. If you ever see any crazy TikToks from there, you know, I don't I'll get as crazy on my personal TikTok. You know, <laughs> you know Joe, Joe Bryan won't let me go too, too crazy. But no, just follow me there. And you know, I appreciate you guys having me. Man. This has been a lot of fun. 
Uh, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. I can't wait for the spotlight piece on Derek Carr. I know it's going to be Derek Carr. Uh, <laughs> folks, if you are, if you're looking for college talk, uh, you should follow the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Uh, you should also be listening to Post It Up with Chris Haynes for more in-depth conversations from the world of the NBA. Former Warrior, soon-to-be free agent Kelly Oubre joined Chris this week, so please check that out. As always, I am at Andy Barons on Twitter. You should follow us at Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, shout out to Brett Rader, our producer. He's he's a legend. Uh, that is it for us this week. But we will be back with more pod next week. We are out. <laughs>